is coming up now on Established in the Faith. Just because you got saved, that don't mean that you're a superman, that you're never going to have another problem. Satan is going to hit you in the area of your life where you're the weakest. Just as Amalek came along behind the children of Israel and attacked them in that weak area. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me, please, to the book of First Samuel. First Samuel. First Samuel, chapter fifteen. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid Wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. This right here would be the second test of King Saul. We dealt with the first test last week, and uh, we're going to deal a little more with the second test of King Saul next week. But today, I just want to take a look at what the Lord said there in verse 2. I remember that which Amalek did, and that's what I want to use as my subject this morning, remembering what Amalek did. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for every person that is under the sound of my voice right now. Lord, there are many needs out there of which you know all about. And Lord, I only have words. And I ask this morning, Lord, that you will anoint these words today. Lord, may things be said that will strike a note that will resonate within the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray today that the needs of your people will be met, that your people will be edified and drawn closer to you in some way today. And Lord, we're careful to give you praise and glory for all that you have done and for all that you are going to do in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. In the first verse of 1 Samuel chapter 15, the Bible says that the Lord sent Samuel to anoint Saul to be the king over his people, over Israel. Saul was the people's choice. 
not God's choice. At this particular time, the children of Israel looked at the surrounding nations around them and took note that they had a king that ruled over them. And they wanted to be like all the other nations were. The problem is, as they looked at the other nations, those other nations were ungodly. Ungodly nations. And I want you to get this picture, if you will. Here we have God's people in the midst of these other nations that are ungodly, and they want to be like all the other nations are. Which... Here we are several thousand years later, and the church has the same problem today. We look at the world out here, and we want to please the world. We want to be accepted by the world, but this Bible says that as a child of God, we're to come out from among the world and be separate. But God's people wanted to... Be like all the other nations were. They wanted a king and went to Samuel and said, Samuel, make us a king. And Samuel was displeased with this and went before the Lord and cried to the Lord. And the Lord said, Samuel, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me. But you go ahead and you give them a king, but you warn them. Warn them that this king for which they seek, he's going to take. And six times it is recorded, he will take, he will take, he will take. But the children of Israel would not hearken to the voice of Samuel. They wanted their king. And Saul was the end result, and it didn't turn out very well. Saul was a work of the flesh. Like I said, he was the people's choice. Now, God wanted Israel to have a king. But I believe it was God's will for David to be the first king of Israel. But they jumped the gun, if you will, so to speak. And they got ahead of God. And we get in trouble, ladies and gentlemen, when we get ahead of the Lord. We have to make sure that we are following Him. Let God do the choosing in your life. And things will work out as they should. But God did what He could. He did everything He could to work with Saul. But Saul had some problems. And you can't fix a problem if you don't know you got one. I'm sitting there at my desk studying this week, and it was raining outside, and next thing I know, there's water dripping on my head. And I looked up, and there's this big circle up on the ceiling. I didn't know the roof was leaking until the circle was there, and the water hit me on the head. And a lot of times... We don't know we got a problem till God allows a test and it knocks us upside the head. <laughs> so God would allow some test in Saul's life to show him some problems. 
the first test of Saul, God would use the Philistines. God told Samuel, You tell Saul to gather all the people to Gilgal and wait there seven days. And Samuel will come and oversee the offering up of the sacrifice. The sacrifice, remember this, always typifies Christ and His finished work at Calvary's cross. But as Saul looked out and saw the Philistines gathering themselves together for battle, he could no longer wait for Samuel. And he said, bring hither the sacrifice to me. And he offered it up himself, a thing which he should not have done. His attitude was, let's get this ritual, let's get this ceremony out of the way so we can move on to other important things. And God used the Philistines to reveal this problem. Saul did not have an understanding of the sacrifice. He had no confidence in the sacrifice. He had no trust in the sacrifice and what it was all about. Here we are thousands of years later, and the church today, although it is founded on the finished work of Christ, the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ has been so little preached and taught in churches today, we have little understanding, little confidence, little trust in what it's all about. In most churches, the cross of Christ is just window dressing. That's all it is. And when Saul had finished the offering up of the sacrifice, here comes Samuel. And he said, what have you done? You have done foolishly. The church is doing a foolish thing today. When we leave Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we opt, for the prattle of humanistic psychology based on Freud, Maslow, and Rogers. We're doing a very foolish thing. Samuel said, Your kingdom will not be established now because you have done this thing. Listen to me, free will Baptist. If we don't come back to the cross of Christ and get rid of all of these other things that we're going into, our denomination will not be established. But Saul had a religious argument for why he disobeyed God. He would not admit to the problem. Here comes test number two. God would use the Amalekites. Who were the Amalekites? Amalek. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. We all know the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob was born a minute too late and a birthright too short. Born just minutes after Esau. Esau had the birthright. 
years would go by, and the boys are now of some age, and Esau went out into the field hunting, come back, and Jacob had made a big old bowl of stew, had the whole house smelling up, and here come Esau in, about to starve to death. He said, Jacob, boy, what in the world you got brewing in that stew? That, that's smelling good, boy. I got to have me a bowl of that stew. And Jacob took advantage of that situation. And he said, sell me this day your birthright. And Esau said, what good will this birthright do to me? And Esau sold his birthright, that which had eternal consequences to it. He sold that for a temporary bowl of stew to satisfy his flesh. And Esau represents a type of the flesh. Amalek being the grandson of Esau is a type of the flesh. It represents that which you and I as a child of God will always have a battle with. Understand that. As long as you breathe air and take up space on the face of this planet, there's always going to be a battle with the flesh. See, you think that you're battling your husband or your wife or a co-worker or your boss or your children. You, you think that that is where the battle is. It's not your husband or your wife that's the problem. If you want to know where the problem is, it's the enemy. Enemy. Go look in the mirror. When you get right down to it, that's where the problem is. Self, flesh has to be crucified. And that can only be done as you keep your faith anchored in Christ and His finished work at Calvary. But the flesh is a problem. And God said, I remember what Amalek did when they came up out of Egypt. Dana, if you will, go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. When the children of Israel came up out of Egypt, there was about, I don't know who counted them, but there was about three million Israelites there. Coming up out of Egypt, they had been slaves there in Egypt for several hundred years. And as they came out of Egypt, God delivered them. God sent plague after plague. And their deliverance didn't come through the plague. Their deliverance came because of the sacrifice. God told Moses to take a lamb, slit its throat take the blood and apply it to the doorpost and the two side posts of the houses wherein you are. The death angel will come through and kill every firstborn in the land. But when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Glory to God. They had to place their faith in the sacrifice. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you today, 
If you place your faith in the finished work of Christ, by faith you are applying the blood of Jesus Christ to the doorpost of your heart. And when that death angel comes, and let me tell you, sooner or later he's coming. But God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. If your faith is in Christ and what he did, God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And it was after that, Pharaoh let the people go. And here we have now three million of them now in the middle of the desert. And they come to a place called Rephidim. And there was no water. They had been days without water. And they began to chide with Moses. Moses went before the Lord and said, Lord, what in the world am I going to do? Here I've got three million out here in the middle of the desert. There's no water. Lord, they're about to stone me. Lord, you've got to help me. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Take the rod that's in your hand. That rod was a stick. Moses would use it to perform many miracles there in Egypt. Take that rod in your hand. That rod was a stick. It, it was a type of the cross of Christ. Take that rod and I will stand upon the rock. Take that rod and smite the rock, Moses. And Moses and the elders of Israel went, and he stood upon the rock that day, and he smote the rock with that rod. And water came out to satisfy the thirst of three million people. Now, when Moses smote that rock, it was a type of Christ being smitten upon the cross. And because of what Jesus did at Calvary, we now have the flow of the Holy Spirit working within our hearts and lives. And I believe when Moses struck that rock, I think water just gushed out of that rock. It won't know just a little trickle coming out. And people walking up. All right now, y'all can't get but just a little sip. I don't believe it happened that way. I remember as a boy in elementary school, we'd go out recess and run around out there on the playground. We'd play, we'd play Duke's Hazard. I always ended up being Roscoe, chasing my buddies. We run till we got red in the face, all sweaty, and, and then the bell would ring. Time to go in. Everybody would line up. We still playing cops and robbers. We were always last ones in line. And as we'd go into the school, there the teacher would stand there at the water fountain just to sip. Just a sip. That right there describes a lot of churches. When you go there, all you're going to get is just a little sip. 
But let me say, when you come here to Friendship Church and you run across this radio program, you're going to get more than just a little sip. Glory to God. You're going to get enough, I hope, to satisfy your thirst, spiritually speaking. But I was always the last one in line. time I got up there, the water pressure was so low, I couldn't hardly get anything. But let me tell you, when Moses struck that rock, that water come gushing out of there. People were just rolling and tumbling in it. Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, a type of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to get this picture in your mind, if you will. Here they are out in the middle of the desert. No water for miles. And all of a sudden, Moses strikes that rock and water just comes gushing out, enough to satisfy the thirst of three million people plus the the goats and the camels and and whatever else kind of animals they had. Let me tell you this. Water out in the middle of the desert is a very precious commodity. If you out there in the desert ain't had no water for days and you saw water, you'd be doing whatever it takes to get to it. And all of this water got the attention of the Amalekites. Amalek, a type of the flesh. When the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and life and begins to flow, the flesh gets agitated. Matter of fact, let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul said, Galatians 5, 17, The flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. When you got saved, and the Holy Spirit come inside, a change took place. But you need to understand that although the sin nature has been put under wraps, the flesh has been severely weakened. Because of the fall. And just as all that water out in the middle of the desert got the attention of the Amalekites, a type of the flesh, when the Holy Spirit comes inside, the flesh begins to act up. I just read it to you right here. The flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And let me show you something else here. Dana, if you will, go over to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy 25, verse 17. Again, God would use these words. Remember what Amalek did unto thee in the way when you were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee there by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when you were faint and weary, and he feared not God. Satan is going to attack you in that area of your life where you're the weakest. 
Let me say that again. Just because you got saved, that don't mean that you're a superman, that you're a super Christian, that you're never going to have another problem. Satan is going to hit you in the area of your life where you're the weakest. Just as Amalek came along behind the children of Israel and attacked them in that weak area, Satan's going to hit you in that weakest part. The spirit can be willing, but the flesh is weak. And Moses told Joshua, Exodus 17, verse 9, Choose us out men and fight with Amalek. Listen to me very carefully now, and especially those of you who have just gotten saved recently. You cannot fight this thing by yourself. You can't do it. And understand this too. All of these Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt. None of them had combat training. None of them have ever fought in any kind of battle before. And yet Moses said, Joshua, you go and choose out men to help fight. Trying to find somebody to stand with you and help you fight. It's not easy to find somebody that will stand with you. Sadly, most church people want to kick you when you're down. They like to point the finger and say, you shouldn't have done that, and condemnation. But you need to find a good church to get into where the people will help you, help you fight in that area of your life that's weak. You better be careful how you tell certain people where your weakness is, too. Because some people won't just take it to the Lord in prayer. They'll take it to others. It'll be all over Facebook, and people like to gossip. So like I said, you've got to be careful. But you need to understand that you cannot fight this battle with Amalek by yourself. Choose us out, men, to fight with Amalek. Here's where your victory's at. Moses said to Joshua, he said, tomorrow, Exodus 17, verse 9, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. There's where your victory's at. The victory over the flesh was won on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. He said, I'm going to go stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And then he said in verse 11, Exodus 17, verse 11, that when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. The lifting up of the hands is an outward expression of worship. It's also an expression of surrender before God. A life that is surrendered to God's divine order, His prescription, if you will, for our problem. Moses held up his hands, and while his hands were uplifted, the Bible says that Joshua 
would begin to win the battle down below. But when Moses' hands got tired and weary, then Amalek would prevail. And so Moses had two people to help him, Aaron and Hur. Aaron was the high priest. And you need to understand today that you've got Jesus Christ as your great high priest over on the heavenly side that's making intercession for you. Her got on the other side. Her means light. Her represents the Holy Spirit which is on the earthly side enlightening us with the Word of God. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? You got two to help hold up your hands. The Lord in heaven and the Holy Spirit on the other side. But as long as you'll surrender to the finished work of Christ and then have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, those two will help you hold up your hands until Amalek is defeated. And the Bible says that Joshua discomfited Amalek, and Israel won the battle. Now, 500 years later, God would say to Samuel, Tell King Saul that I remember what Amalek did when the people came up out of Egypt. God remembers sin and unless repentance and forgiveness is forthcoming God will continue to remember sins but when you repent and ask God to forgive you all those sins are wiped away never to be remembered against you anymore and God said, I want you to destroy Amalek. 1 Samuel 15, verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling ox, sheep, camel, and axe. Destroy them all, God said. Sounds a little harsh. But I want you to understand something. God gave them 500 years to repent. But they would not. Kill them all. Children included. Brother James, that's just kind of harsh. I can't, I can't fathom a loving God doing such a thing. Let me tell you this. Archaeologists have dug up things over there in the Middle East. And they tell us that the God of the Old Testament did future generations a great service when he told Israel to go in and exterminate and eliminate these nations because they had become so corrupt with disease as a result of incest and bestiality and all other kind of things that were going on. And God 
when he told Israel to go in and kill everything, God was performing major surgery. And today, God wants to perform major surgery within our hearts and lives. Because everything that is not God, all aspects of the flesh must be utterly destroyed. And the Holy Spirit will continue to invade every area of your life and will continue to open doors. And you look in the room and you see the filth and the garbage that's there. And many times we just close the door and ignore it. But the Holy Spirit wants to clean up every area of your life. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And God said, Saul, go in and kill them all. This would be the second test of King Saul. Saul failed in this and we're going to deal with that a little bit more next week. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252-299-4234. This program is an outreach ministry of friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, as well depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to establishinthefaith.com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.